You're listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, and welcome back to the Rent Roll Radio Show. I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. Today we're here with Dale Sterling, who is no a... No relation. No relation, yeah. Who is a uh, real estate investor here in the, the local Baton Rouge area. He's uh, kind of well-known. He's got, got commercials and signs all over town, and, and we all, we just constantly bump into each other at local meetups. So, Dale, thank you so much for, for coming on the show, and you want to say hello to our, our listeners? Yes, I'm excited to be here. The way we usually kick off these interviews is is, is with a, a simple question. It's, why should we listen to you? So can you just give us a brief overview of what makes you uh, an expert on the topic? Well, uh, first of all, I'll go with the option that you don't have to. <laughs> um, that's one option. Um, I have been doing it for 30 years now. I've managed single-family units for a long time, several hundred at, at one time. I probably close about 50 houses a minimum a year and have for the last 10 or 12 years. Again, after 30 years of experience, there's, I may not know anything, but I should. And, um, I, and that's what I offer to young investors that ask for my opinion is really try to avoid the pitfalls and say, Hey, this is something that you should certainly you learn what not to do. To not to do. <laughs> to, if they'll listen, I, they can um, learn from my mistakes. Absolutely. I always say I, I'm the baby of three boys, so I love learning from my brother's mistakes. Yes, you know, I don't need to touch the hot stove if they told me it was hot. So can we unpack that a little bit? You said you what, – what, what exactly is your business model with the house? Do you self-manage? And when you say the transactions, are you buying and renting out the houses? I know you've kind of gotten into – you, you wholesale some of them, so kind of explain exactly what you're... And when I say I manage them, my, my team manages them. I have a office manager that does a great job and probably probably 90% of what I should be doing, right. she does, and um, would certainly want to give her the credit for that. So I oversee the management of, of the single-family units that we have left. I don't necessarily, right now, I'm kind of I'm not in a buy-and-hold mode. I'm selling off some most of the single-families that I have left. So I'm um, either wholesaling deals or retailing them, um, flipping houses. So right now, I'm not looking for anything to put into my portfolio except for trailer parks. Okay, so you're basically... For, for years and years, you've been collecting all of these single-family houses and in, in primarily in North Baton Rouge. That's correct. And now you're looking to liquidate in order to move all of that money into trailer parks. That is correct, yes. So so can you tell us a little bit more about that? How did you decide to, to make, that, make that move? Well, I've, it's always been for me the try to maximize your rate of return. So you would buy a $15,000 house and make 25% on it. And that was doing good. But the philosophy that I've learned or have accepted here lately is that I would rather make 18% on a million dollar deal than I would 24% on a $15,000 deal. So I'm kind of, it's almost like monopoly where I'm, or when you went to the fair and you got a little stuffed animal right. and then you got a, you trade in two or three stuffed animals for a bigger stuffed animal. Right. What I'm doing is trading in some of the houses that I've accumulated through the years on down payments for trailer parks so that I can – trailer parks are a little easier to manage. 
Mm-hmm. Now, what's so, the business model with the trailer parks? Are you? I see a lot of people uh, seller financing out the actual trailers and just keeping the the lot in their name. What 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 specifically are you doing with the trailer parks? How are you buying them? What are you putting down? And then what are you? What are you doing? What, what does that look like logistically? That is the business model that we go by as well. Say I buy a park and it's. 75% occupied, 50% of those are tenant occupied where they own their own trailer and then the other 25% are rentals and the owner owned by the, the park. We immediately go in there and owner give each tenant the option to, to own or finance the mobile home that they're in so that at the end of the day, we want to be just in the lot renting business. But because of the expense of a moving a mobile home a lot of people is you get very few trailers just being moved in after we have converted it all into at least options and what's the what's the ideology behind not owning the trailers that you don't have to do do the maintenance that is correct okay so we want to eventually get where all of them are owner occupied units then the vacant units the vacant lots we bring in mobile homes and do the same thing with them. So you go out and purchase mobile homes and do you, are you buying new ones or are you just going and buying a, a uh, used We're buying used ones. Okay. And now what is the expense to move? I hear a lot that it's very expensive. It costs anywhere uh, for a single wide it's between twenty five and thirty five hundred dollars to Okay. Which most people don't have that that much money to if their sure. if their mobile home is in another on another piece of property, it's very expensive to to move into your park. So unless you give them some incentive, it's very unlikely to fill your park up with people just moving in there. That's okay. why. You so have, you you buy a lot and then you go and buy one off trailers to fill up every lot on your space, and then you sell or finance them all out to everybody. That is correct. And then, okay, and then you're collecting lot rents, you're collecting the note on on the seller finance, and you're not doing any maintenance besides your sewage and water. That is correct. Awesome. And in an ideal world, you would have city sewer and city water. That's okay. not always the case, but that's, the, that's what you're looking for. But a lot of deals are, you got to buy, buy it when it's a deal. Right. So, so, how, how many uh, mobile home parks do you have now? I think I have six now. Oh, wow. And where are they primarily located? Um, primarily in Denham Springs. I have one in Ponchatoula and a couple in Church Point. But most of my units are in, back, are in Denham Springs. So, what are you looking for in these mobile home parks? Are you, are you doing anything to analyze the, the market of the city they're in? Or are you just specifically looking at the numbers on the individual property. We don't necessarily look at the, unless the, the market is just terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, if there, maybe there's there's some cities that I just wouldn't want to go into. From like a crime perspective. From a crime perspective. But yeah. low-income housing, there's a need for it everywhere. There, there's there's no lack of demand you know, in, any, you, in any In any market, there's right. a demand for it. So, um, especially giving people the, the opportunity to own something sure a lot of people you know had just accepted that they're going to rent 
wherever they were going to be, they were going to rent for the rest of their life. So this gives them an opportunity to actually own something, buy into the community, and, and be a nice place for everybody to live. Awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm very interested in, in learning more about the, the, that angle. So, but yeah, I kind of, I, I was so interested, I kind of derailed us <laughs> from my my predetermined question lines. But so the the next question I have is to back up a, a, a good bit to how you got started. Tell us like your background, where you came from, what made you decide, oh, I want to go be a real estate investor, or what piqued your interest, and then like what was your first deal. My father had had started uh, when I was probably in a junior or senior in high school. He had started buying properties. This was back in the late late eighties. Prices were very low. The economy was, you know, they were giving away houses. Sure. Literally, you could buy a house for a thousand, two thousand dollars. So uh, he he was buying some in North Baton Rouge, some in other parts, but primarily in North Baton Rouge. So I I said, hey, uh, I'd like to to get into it too. My father helped me buy the first one. It was paid $2,500 for it, fixed it up for $2,500 and uh, rented it for $225. Uh, my dad was gracious enough to owner finance it to me, so I, I paid him $200 a month and cash flowed $25 nice. and uh, was a landlord. So how old were you? Is this is this the only business you've ever known? I actually tried to work in the real world and uh, was not very <laughs> successful. Yeah. Um, I uh, did some electrical work and um, air conditioning work and just was not, I'm not talented, I guess you would say. <laughs> and I guess luckily so, I'm not, but I was... Um, able to find my niche in, in real estate um, so uh, I'm thankful that, that that I'm allowed to able to do what I love because I'm not qualified to do anything else <laughs> hey, um, everything works out for it, the best it does. sometimes so I guess my I mean the next question that, that we typically ask and, and I, I know everybody's itching to, to hear it from you how, how you go from no other income to your your dad seller finance you at this point your total income is twenty five dollars a month. How do you get from there to hundreds of houses and seven mobile parks? This is um, this is what if if I had a chance to tell any anybody, but especially I, I'm just going to say like professional athletes or people that come into a lot of money. I, I put it pretty simple: is you don't eat the chickens, you just eat the eggs. And that's right. what I did for a long time, that I allowed the properties to pay for themselves mm-hmm. and then cash flow. And then I took that that money that they, again, I'm talking about, and I'd like to say that I had such forethought that I said, okay, the economy, that I looked at all the graphs and saw the economy and said, okay, this is a perfect time to get into real estate. I wasn't that smart. I was just lucky <laughs> enough that, blessed enough that, I got into it at the right time. So the price, the properties that I, I paid a thousand, two thousand dollars are now paying me four or five hundred dollars a month. Right. So when you take that money and you don't, if, if you keep the chicken healthy right. and you just live off the eggs, you can build a, awesome. a portfolio. So you started with the, the first house from your dad and then. And then you decided you spent a, a many number of years in North Baton Rouge, focusing primarily on low-income housing. So, um, what you had 
how many houses had you built up to before you decided to start liquidating them? And have you always done this mixed of flipping wholesaling or was it, what did that progression look like in your, in your journey? Um, I, I think it, at, at the height, I probably had 150 single family houses that I was, um, owned. And then I, as I'm getting older, I, again, had most of those North Baton Rouge. So I sold off some of them and bought some, some nicer houses in, in further out of the city. And um, with the anticipation of, you know, being able, being easier to manage, you know, sure. 30 or 40 nicer houses, houses, nicer houses would be easier than if I was to, to pass right. away than for my wife to manage than 150 houses in North Baton Rouge. Then I, I came across, across this opportunity to buy a fairly large mobile home park in, in Denver Springs and... Um, once I saw the opportunity that was there, I started started looking for other opportunities and um, and really changed my focus to to mobile home parks. Now, can can you dive into the numbers of a mobile home park a little bit for us? Like, what what do you put down? What are your expenses? What is your cash flow? And then, what is your overall return? Um, generally speaking, if you put down, if you obviously you you want to buy it right, but we're, we're able to, and this is just a big shot of things. If you put down twenty percent, you should be able to net fifty percent after expenses of of the income. Mm-hmm. So obviously, um, let's just say you buy a fifty spot. Uh, 50 spot mobile home park for a million dollars 20,000 a lot um, making the assumption that they're all owner occupied it rents for probably 350 a month mm-hmm. so your expenses are going to your note and your expenses is going to take about half of that and then you'll be able to cash flow the other half okay so what it, what does that typically come out to from like a a cash on cash return or return on uh, initial investment we're, we try to buy around 18 to 20 percent um, cash on cash return okay and what, what kind of financing is available for these mobile home parks can are you getting 30-year loans are you getting fixed rate loans? I'm getting 20-year um, uh, five-year balloon okay um, with a round of six percent APR okay so one of my questions, I have several of the same loans and somebody who's been around the block more times than me, I, I, I want to ask, how does that make you feel from, with the balloon? Well, I, I'm terrified. What if I need to go? I'm like, the economy's good right now and I could go refinance as many times as I want to. But in five years, what happens if we're in another 2008 and we're left holding the bag. How do you, how do you prepare for that or hedge against that? And does that keep you up at night? Or uh, it, maybe it should. But <laughs> there's probably several things that keep that should keep me up at night that don't. The this is how I always looked at it is the bank doesn't want it. Right. So the fa- the chances if if they come up to you and say pay me, you know we're not interested in refinancing for you after five years when the balloon is done and 
obviously I'm not saying you should be disrespectful on anything, but the common thread is the bank doesn't want it. So they would rather, they're in the money lending business. So if you're current, Uh the chance of them not refinancing it is very slim. And especially if you say, okay, here it is. They're going to be extremely motivated to refinance it. I got you. So, um, again, not to be in a smart aleck or blackmail kind of way. You know, either refinance me or you can start managing it. But um, generally speaking, banks... They're in the money lending business, not the property management business. They don't want it back. Well, that makes me feel better for sure. Yeah. (laughs) So the next part uh, of our our, um, segment is we talk about the highlights and the lowlights. So can you give us an example of an absolute home run that you knocked out of the park? And then uh, also something that, that maybe didn't go as well as planned or went terribly wrong. Or um, I recently bought, purchased a mobile home park that was, um, I bought it, bought it for $2.3 million. It appraised for $3.3 million. Oh, wow. Um, so I walked into it with a million dollars worth of equity. That's did you immediately refinance that out? I, I did not. Um, just because I am trying to eventually de- be debt-free is the objective. And um, one of the reasons is I didn't actually have any cash out uh-huh. because I was able to put up other properties for the down payment. Okay. So I didn't wasn't a cash-out situation. I didn't have anything tied up in it. So you were able to put up other properties as the down payment. That is correct. You, so explain that to me. You traded... Your properties to the owner? No, I, um, I made a deal with the owner for two point three million. I went to the bank, and they was so they said, "Okay, we'll loan you the eighty percent." And I said, "Well, I don't have the other twenty percent, but I have this asset that's worth that." Uh-huh. So they took they both collateralized that. That is correct. Oh wow! So um, so basically, I bought it with no cash out of pocket. Okay, but. So I didn't necessarily need to get my cash back because I didn't. You didn't put any out. That's oh, correct. That's neat. I didn't realize you could do that. So, but if if I was to need, if I had another deal to come along, I could finance that and refine, refinance the cash out. And in addition to the um, what I put, what I paid for it, uh, I could pull out the eight hundred thousand of equity as well. Awesome. But yeah, that sounds like a. That's that's a, walked into a million dollars. Um, did you did you see that coming? Yes, sir. Okay. Um, it was. Um, did the seller not see that coming? <laughs> it was a, a partnership that had went south. Okay. And um, they were at the point of just forget, get me out. Forget about the cheese. Let me out of the trap. So right. it was. Um, it was a good deal for everybody. Awesome. That sounds like quite the home run. That's awesome. Yeah. What about one that went, didn't go quite right? I've got, I got several of those that didn't. Uh, certainly not everything that I I buy t- turns to go. Recently, I purchased a piece of property after the flood in Gonzales that um, I was under the assumption that it could the house could be rebuilt because of the, the money that the people that I bought it from received from FEMA. The parish would not let me rebuild it, so I ended up taking about a forty thousand dollar loss on that piece of property. Oh wow! Um, but it only hurts when you think about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, like I said, of the hundreds so, of deals I've done, 
That that sounds terrible. So what ex- what happened? What'd you do? Um, I sold I sold the property for the land value only. Okay, and nobody's and, ever allowed to build on that. Uh, they can build on it, but that the structure has to be torn down, completely demolished. And I had given value. My purchase price included the value. the value of the structure. That's correct. Oh wow! So um, it was a, it was one of those lessons you don't learn at LSU. Right. Um, so, but you know, that's there's always a chance that that could happen. Uh, I still uh, live to live to fight another day. Yeah. Wow, man, that's some that's some extreme highs and extreme yes. lows. Yes. Um, so. What uh? What advice do you have for our listeners? For everybody out there who's just getting started, or 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 looking to scale, or you know, I always say like, if you were thirty years younger and knew what you knew today, what would you do differently? I would um, I would buy more. Yeah, definitely. So I heard you one time in a meetup where you were the speaker that you said the worst deal you ever did was this one that went really well but you had the opportunity to buy 10 of them yeah sell that story um this was in probably 1990 91 um there's a street on on l scott is mainly a it's a multi-family um street they had uh, rtc at the time was Mm -hmm. a resolution trust corporation where lots of banks formed a one corporation i think it was some federal funding involved but they put everything into one distribution arm and they were selling properties i bought uh one duplex for four thousand dollars and uh could have bought 10 or 12 more for maybe a little bit more than that the one i bought had some fire damage but for six or seven thousand i could have bought Maybe ten. I could have bought them all. Yeah. And um, a piece, and I didn't. I was scared of the debt at the time, which uh, now. I've also heard you claim that you got more notes than a piano. Yes. So yeah. now, so now <laughs> the debt doesn't. That that amount of debt today is is nothing that would even bother me. But at the time, it was a big number, and uh, now. So I lost between the loss of rent and the appreciation that those properties would have had. I, I, it was probably a two million dollar mistake. Right. So sometimes the best, the the worst deals is the ones. The best deals is the ones you don't do, or and it could be the the opposite too. You could there's some some of the best deals are the ones you don't do, and some of the worst deals are the ones you do. The, you do do. Wow. So, so what other advice do you have for our listeners? Um, you said buy more. I think that's a common thread across every successful real estate investor. That I would have gone harder. I would have set my targets higher. I would have been more aggressive. You know, I would say that to, to somebody that wants to be a real estate investor, I would say do something. Yeah. You know, do your research. You know, plan ahead, but. You've got to get off the fence. You'll never, right. you, you'll never do any. You'll never make any money on the sidelines. Sure. So, um, I was terrified when I first started studying real estate that it was going to slip away. I, I, I forget where I read it, but I, I read it was something about the uh, law of diminishing intent. When you first hear about something and you get excited about it, if you take action right then, it'll kind of create. 
a snowball effect and a, a pattern of constantly taking action. But the longer you wait from that initial uh, burst of excitement, the less likely you are to ever do anything about it. So I was, I, I went out and, and bought something as soon as I can just so I could sink my, you know, I was about to have a kid. I was about to do this and that. I said, I'm going to get busy. I'm going to forget about this. And I'm going to be looking back in 20 years wishing I had done it. I just have to start now. And it just, it just snowballs from there. It, um, say anytime you say no, it gets easier to say no. And anytime you get to say yes, it gets easier to say yes. Yeah. And that's, that's with anything in life, but especially in real estate that you need to do something. But I, I would say that the most profitable investment I've made is in people mm-hmm. and in relationships that I get calls all the time and say, hey, you want to buy this? Nobody, you know, I, nobody knows about it yet. You're not the, hunting on the MLS for deals. Um, I have bought some um, from the MLS. Not not as much. I would have said, I would say pre-flood, I probably bought 80% of the stuff I bought from the MLS. Uh-huh. Now, I'd say it's probably closer to 10%. Oh, wow. Just, um, and again, that comes from relationships. People calling and saying, hey, I got this deal here. I got this, uh, I bought a tractor this morning. <laughs> Somebody knows I buy tractors. Build relationships and take advice from people that have done it yeah. before. And most investors, I would say, are willing to to, unless they're trying to sell you something, right. <laughs> would be willing to um, give give advice and say, "Hey, this is something that you can't to watch out for, or this is something that you should look for." Yeah, and I think it's almost as important to because you're never going to find the perfect deal. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're looking for a three bedroom, two bath with the bushes all trimmed and the grass is manicured, and you're not going to buy that house at a good deal. Right. It's just the they they take pride in it. They probably don't need to if they got time to cut the grass. They probably got time. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they're know, not in a distress. They're scenario. not in a distress situation. So you have to be willing to to take what's out there. Uh-huh. So it's 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 almost as important to figure out what. Okay, if it if this house has foundation problems, it needs flood insurance. You know, two or three things that are going to eliminate me from buying this house is really more important than checking off the list. And does it have a two car garage? Does it have right. um, shutters? You know, those things can be adjusted, but so is flood insurance a hard no for you or is uh, it just something you factor in? It's something that, um, unfortunately <laughs> I've learned my lesson on flood insurance as well. Well, let me say this. The lesson has been taught whether I've learned it or not. is something I go back and forth with, but it's especially if if you're going to borrow money against it, uh-huh. it's going to. It's amazing how much, you know, you get a great interest rate, and then you got to play flood insurance. It kind of diminishes the what you actually cash flow, and what you, the cost of money is actually going up by mm-hmm. by what you have to pay for it. So flood insurance, I like to know. It's it not necessarily going to be a a hard no, but it's. It's something I want to know ahead of time, and especially when you, if you're going to resell it, and people most likely will have a mortgage. Yeah, and it's going to affect their ability to resell it. That is correct. So would, would you recommend anybody out there trying to get started, would you recommend they start in, in low income, 
or or was that? Um, I, I think it's a great opportunity. It really is very little uh, upfront money. Yeah. So well, I asked uh, Josh and Johnny over at Red Stick Brothers if they had to do it over again with. They said, well, we didn't really have any choice. That that's, was all we could afford. That's that's exactly the situation I was in. You know, it was it was a very low entry point where you can get into it. Um, and, and the returns are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, the, the, I think one of the keys in life is if you do what other people don't want to do, you can have what they don't have. So, you know, there's a lot of people that are scared of the North Baton Rouge low-income areas, but, you know, if you're willing to do something that um, others aren't, you're able to reap the rewards. What, what's next for you? My plan is to continue to 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 sell off the properties that I have. Uh, the you're looking from, to get completely divested out of... Of single family, all your money into mobile home parks. That's that's my objective. And with the the nicer houses that I have bought, I'm um, as as tenants move out of those, I'm fixing them up and retailing mm-hmm. retailing them out. Now, are you going to continue your marketing efforts from like a wholesaling or flipping? Yes, uh, I'm still. For those, for those of you who aren't from South Louisiana, Dale's got signs all over. He's got commercials, dalebuyshousesnow.com. He's, he's, he runs quite the marketing machine on, on a local scale. The marketing has been effective. It's always good to look at deals. The thrill of the hunt is what, sure. what is more. As, as I get older, and um, I, I still enjoy the thrill of the hunt more so than the kill. Finding the deal and then just passing it on to someone else is, is just as much fun. The last thing we usually do on our show is just a fun little, uh, we call it the radio round, where we ask you three questions that kind of lets the guests get to know you a little bit better. So the first question is, what's your favorite book? I would say Think and Grow Rich. Napoleon Hill, absolutely yes. love it. Um, I, would, I would definitely put that in my top three. I'm not a big reader, so I've probably read about 20% of many books I think uh, I would also recommend um, Never Eat Lunch Alone Never Eat Lunch Alone okay and, and it's a, a book and that's all I've read of it is the, <laughs> the title but from that I, I've um, sounds like a good concept yes it's, it's about building relationships with people and you know instead of eating lunch by yourself ask somebody to lunch and, and develop the relationships because by far relationships are the key to, to real estate as far as as well as any other business Awesome. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. The next one is, what's your favorite quote? Um, my favorite quote, and I'm not sure who said this, that gives it, different people give it to different, credit to different people, but it's, um, and I, I tell my kids this all the time, is uh, you wouldn't care so much what people thought of you if you knew how seldom people thought of you. Right. So the, the <laughs> concept scary. being is just do what you're going to do. You know, people, people. We're all self-centered, and yeah. nobody's thinking about me right now. Exactly. They're thinking they may be thinking what I'm thinking about them, but they're right. not thinking about what they think of me because they're worried about what I think about them. Yeah. And it, the the world is just too big to to worry about. Just do do what you think is right. Do you? Yeah. yeah. That's it. Awesome. Last question: What's your favorite thing to do outside of work? Um, and my wife is is not supportive of my my hobby, but I love buying antiques and anything rusty and broke down, and whether it's a tractor or a car or 
bus or anything that's just it's much like the the house do, business. Do you fix them up? No, I stack them in my yard. <laughs> I bet she does like that. Um, my our last anniversary, I brought home seven school buses, <laughs> and that's evidently not the the gift you give them the 18th uh, anniversary. But she didn't seem too pleased with that. But she's she's tolerant of me. She I ask her if she like likes my hobby and she says she loves me so that's i i I enjoy the hunt much like in real estate the the hunt and for something that everyone else has forgotten about or given up on i can maybe bring it back to life or at least bring it back to my house (laughs) good deal so tell our listeners where they can find you Go to DaleBuzzHousesNow.com. I'll leave a message there, and I'll get it there. And that, that's probably the best way. Um, 291-8000 is the phone number over there if you have something to sell, whether it be a house or junk or <laughs> oh, a tractor or whatever it is. That's the best way. And then um, if you need to get in contact with me, you can email email them, and I'll, I'll get back, and we can um, be glad to help anybody. Or if you got a question or trying to avoid a pitfall, feel free to call. Awesome. Dale, thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoyed our, our, our time today, and I know our listeners will too. Look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. Have a good one. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Cressworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did, please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at Crestworth Capital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing. <laughs>